So if you had to look at and rank the uh, podcast members of the Down in Front podcast, if you have to see, you know, who's the biggest baby, uh, Mocha Mike, Mike Blewett, or Kyle, what's your, what's your ranking there? Oh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, Mocha is definitely very Neymar-ish, <laughs> but I would say Kyle is very Suarez-ish. So you're calling Kyle an asshole. No, I'm just saying he likes to bite people a lot. Yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> and this is why nobody likes him. And welcome yep. to the Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. My name is Warren. I will be your host this bright and glorious afternoon. How's it going? I am with my beautiful, beautiful co-host and the mouth of the South, the host of the Gamescast, Brylan. How's it going, man? I'm doing well this uh, afternoon. Uh, it is nice and sunny here in beautiful city of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'm drinking nice bottle of water, keep myself hydrated for this warm day because I'm definitely going to go outside later. Uh, and what I've been watching recently is I've checked out HBO's uh, new TV show, Succession. Uh, this is made by Adam McKay, who also did Anchorman, but also he did uh, The Big Short, which I thought was one of the best films that came out. Uh, in recent years, and it's definitely more of that big short style of film where you're following, or TV show where you're following a Rupert, Rupert Murdoch-esque Fox News uh, style family of the Murdochs. I mean, it's definitely fictional, but it's all about their crazy hijinks and how it actually uh, affects their business and also how they live their lives and their disconnection from reality too which i think is really cool to see like yeah they're not treating them like villains they're treating them like people that just live in a different like mindset and i think that's actually uh makes it very refreshing uh show and it's also very darkly humorous so you'll there'll be funny moments and funny scenes and you're gonna be like i maybe shouldn't laugh at that but it's actually pretty funny I've been seeing so much um, publicity or marketing in like conversations and a lot of tweets about how people hated the show. So I was excited when you put that on your list of what you've been watching, uh, because I've also been watching an HBO show. But I'm definitely trying to like watch some things that are not quite on the you know the main path. And so although they kind of they pressed the show really really hard yeah. along with like Westworld that we have been watching so I'm excited that one of us actually kind of saw it so that's actually pretty cool to hear yeah I think it has some good um, good points to it and makes some uh, brings up some good ideas especially when it comes to like business in general um, but um, it is it is a it is a show that you actually have to stick with the first couple episodes to actually get into it because all these characters you're not gonna you're not going to root for any of these characters. Mm. Uh, you hate all of them. And that 
that's kind of the whole point is you're going to watch these people you hate and root for their downfall. Oof. Cool. All right. Well, that's Succession on HBO Now. Um, always great to kind of have you on. Uh, my name is Warren. I'm your host. Uh, normally what we do here is that we always kind of review different movies, TV shows, things like that that we want to kind of talk about. Mainly movies, mainly TV, uh, something kind of nerdy about it. It's over a beverage that we have. But because today is not night, we feel it kind of weird. So we're not going to be drinking um, our alcoholic drinks. But I am also currently sipping on a glass of hot tea black tea with a little bit of sugar because they did not have any honey here which I was really sad um, but that's okay uh, and what I've been watching is actually going from the HBO show also and I think I've talked about this before but honestly I've been watching the shows Insecure on HBO I just finished season one I started season two and goddamn, this is probably one of the best shows I've ever seen hands down and not only does it talk about kind of the music that is good but the scenarios is being like kind of portrayed but you know you follow a 28-year-old African-American girl who lives in somewhere in L.A., I think, or somewhere in California. I think it's L.A., but they were talking about a couple different places, and she grew up from there. And you're just kind of following her life and, you know, what she has to deal with of different things about race and sexuality. And it's definitely showing the black culture in a different light, but it's not like a stereotypical light. I think it's showing the black culture in an honest, like, more sincere, but at the same time, like, pretty... Um, real light, you know, and it's they they don't hold their punches. They're like the I think the writing on this, the acting, just about everything is phenomenal. And I found myself when I first picked up this show, I started watching it, and I was like, oh, two or three episodes. I was like, dang, like I should like really get into this, and I just stopped because I was either traveling or something. And I finally got back, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch one episode. And after five episodes yesterday, I was like, okay, this show is absolutely amazing. It's a half hour long on HBO. I'm not sure why a lot of people aren't talking about the show. Um, I definitely think that either I either missed the boat on the show or something like that, but definitely go check it out. It's insecure. It's so funny. It's so real. I really want more people to kind of watch the show because I was actually thinking about this is kind of pretty funny. Um, I know at one point we're going to be talking about Luke Cage and, you know, non-spoiler alert, but one of the things I didn't like about Luke Cage was the fact that a lot of things was very stereotypical that I was like, ugh, you know, I groaned at you didn't really need to do that. This show then takes a very similar approach, but instead of, you know, certain character dabbing or saying different things or, you know, wearing certain clothes, they kind of do it in a way, uh, just, a, just a much better and more kind of uh, impactful fashion. So I was really excited to uh, watch the show. So uh, have you seen it at all? Have you seen any sort of uh, materials about it, Rylan? Uh, I definitely saw the ads for it when they were, like, promoting it when it first came out. I think they did it during Silicon Valley and Veep. Um, and it looks, it definitely looks very interesting. The, uh, lead actress, I forget her name right now, but she looks like that she brings a lot of energy and, uh, super funny, but also can balance the funny with the seriousness. Yeah. So, um, it definitely piques my interest. There's a lot of shows on HBO right now that I want to kind of assign myself to just venture. That's one of them. The other one I want to definitely check out is Barry. I've heard nothing but great things about Barry. Uh, so that I think that'll definitely be worth checking out too. Yeah, I mean, so the main actress is Issa Rae. He, she actually plays herself basically in this because her character's named Issa Rae. I'm actually very excited because season three starts on August 12th, and I did not realize that until I'm checking on my phone. So now <laughs> I now know what I'm going to be watching up until football season. So super super pumped about that. 
nice. that's insecure. You can actually watch it on Prime Video, which I didn't didn't realize, but it's also on HBO, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, Stars Easter Ray, I think Larry Whitmore also kind of uh, writes a couple things about it too. Uh, but looking at the sort of the IMD page, it says, you know, follow, follows the awkward experiences and racy tribulations of a modern day African American woman. And that's all you need to know. So definitely check out Insecure. I think you'll enjoy it. Today we are going to be reviewing Sicario Day of the Soldado. Uh, and before we get into our spoilerness, uh, I was actually trying to find Sicario number one and kind of rewatch that. But my question to you is, do you think that we'll need to, um, you think people would need to rewatch Sicario the first one before watching the second one? I would say yes. Uh, there's a lot of allusions to what happens in their first film that this movie uh, definitely relies upon. Uh, and also, the first Sicario is a film masterpiece. It's probably one of the best films of the last decade. It also was the debut of Denis Villeneuve as a director, and he's become one of my favorite directors working today, so it's definitely worth revisiting. Um, I definitely agree. Um, you definitely, if you want to check us out and follow us on our Instagram, downinfrontpodcast.com, we give you like these small sort of tidbits, and I think one of the first things I said is, you definitely need to watch the first one because they do not give you any introductions. They kind of sort of give a couple of hints of who these characters are, but it really starts it starts up there, right? And you're just continuing the story. And I thought it was a very bold, but it's an awesome choice for them to take to keep just to keep going with the story and then flesh out something else that we didn't haven't quite seen before. Um, so I, th I definitely think if you're going into this movie, you probably want to at least refresh. I don't know if you can watch it, but like at least kind of read up on a couple of different things of what happened in the first movie. So you know a couple of these characters, especially the Josh Brolin's characters and Benicio Del Toro character. So at least that, that's something that you need to know who these people are, because now it's going to be even more impactful. There's a moment in this movie that I'm like, I was very, I was like, moved i was actually moved by this because i was i didn't realize it was going to happen um so definitely check it out um watch sicario first uh we are going to get into our full review kind of spoiler filled section so we'll take a quick break and we'll see you in a moment when we uh review sicario day of the soldado see you in a moment <laughs> We are the Down in Front Podcast. My name is Warren. I'm with Brylin. Today, we're going to be actually reviewing Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Um, it's a sequel to Sicario. In 2015, sorry, there's no other like title for that. Um, we're going to be unpacking this a little bit. The main thing that we're going to be talking about are characters. We're going to talk about a bit of a plot before we get into our lasting thoughts. So I'll toss it over to Brylin. Talk to me a bit about the characters, um, things you like, things you didn't like, and some overall impressions you have about Sicario, Day of the Soldado. 
Um, so first off, I'll just say the two primary actors, Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro, they continue to build upon these characters they established in Sicario. Uh, Josh Brolin as a CIA agent, uh, Graver, and Benicio Del Toro as Alejandro the Sicario. Uh, that um, They continue to make these very complex characters and also definitely characters that are driven by their mission very well and also uh in this movie there's some really good moments where some they have to make choices whether or not the mission or doing what's good is the thing to do and it's really interesting and surprising to see how some of their characters make those choices as well um also josh brolin his pissed off face is amazing (laughs) like uh he definitely has a way of just showing being mad as hell but also noble at the same time i mean again it's probably why he was perfect for uh thanos in infinity war um also on top of that isabella moner as isabel she is incredible in this movie there is a movie i will not talk about where she was the best part of the first 10 minutes of that movie and then they completely wasted her she was the worst Uh, part about that movie we're not going to talk about the movie but she was the worst part of that movie yeah no i know no we, she was not the worst. Part we're of not. The movie. We're not going to do this. Cont- she was the worst used. Uh, continue. continue. All right, <laughs> but she's fantastic in this movie. Um, she she plays this. Uh, she plays the daughter of a drug kingpin. That um, that yeah, she's going to be that hard ass kid at school just because she knows who her family is and she's rich and spoiled and everything. But when she's put into a situation where uh, this is the reality of like what her father does and what people will do to stop her father. Um, she actually is able to carry like that weight of, um, terror and also, uh, fear, but also trying to maintain strength that, that has been drilled into her since she was a little kid. Um, the only character I find like that's, I didn't really like was Miguel. Uh, we see Miguel when he first uh, shows up. He has a family. He's living day-to-day life in Texas. Uh, his his uh, town is his neighborhood. is right at the border. Um, and like uh, he just one day st- doesn't get on the school bus and he goes hangs out with his cousin from Mexico. And every moment that Miguel's on the scene, no matter what people say to him, he's just like very dead-faced and just like whatever. I mean, sure, that sounds good. Let's do it. Um, he doesn't have any emotional range or anything. I want, like, I mean, for the way they set up Miguel, he needed to be a more complex character, especially emotionally, I think. Absolutely. And, like, for a 16-year-old kid to be just, like, very emotionless and very robotic, it doesn't play off very well, and it makes the movie not earn a lot of its key moments. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely would agree with you. I really wanted more from Miguel, especially there's a part in the movie we're going to get into a moment that really needed it. Um, yeah. Like, really, really needed it. And I assume, you know, we start this actual movie with, you know, he's been doing this for a while, um, but that wasn't quite set up, and I just felt like they didn't... They should have spent as much time... Like, they had less time to develop Isabella's character than they had with Miguel's character, but then we got a lot more from Isabella's character, even saying less. We at least be able to chance to see exactly like what she was doing, right? We can understand at least some of the motivations of what she's trying to do, or very simple, and it's very, it's a very kind of black and white. 
but it's still complex. There's a bit of a gray in that area. Um, and that's yeah. why I thoroughly enjoyed her character. I enjoyed her actor. And I like, you know, children actors or, you know, young actresses and actors. Like, I'm all for it. I think that's pretty cool. But this is a, this is a really bad example. Or this is a really good example, excuse me, of, you know, you have two actors and actresses that are around the same age that one is given a lot more screen time, a heck of a lot more screen time, is getting his own scenes, basically. Just doesn't do anything with it. And I don't think that's anything to do to fault the actor, right? I think that has something to do more so with the writing and the directing because he has the ability to either process this information. We can see this journey. Like, we should have seen this journey from him, internalized and things that's happening. They just didn't give us what we needed. And because that the movie ends, right, because, you know, and again, we're in our spoiler section, but this movie ends with him basically wanting to become a Sicario. And, but we... We don't know who this kid is, and it's like, yeah. what, what? Where did this come from? You know, and yeah. so I that's kind of a bummer about that. Did, I mean, do we even know that he wants to be a Sicario? He's just kind of taken by someone at the end to say, like, oh, you want to be a Sicario, based on what? Yeah, well, I know <laughs> because we we also know we see that you know in the sort of restaurant that he goes to in the in the mall that we've seen that um, this site earlier that that's that's where he's consistently going to consistently going to, so he's been doing it at least for a whole year now over a year, so we know that he's been con continually kind of going to that he has a bunch of tattoos now his hair is sick black he looks like a badass I guess, um, yeah, so he's still gang banging yeah just not with the coyotes that he was with. Yeah, well, I mean, all those people are dead, so I'm assuming he's, yeah. <laughs> you know. And anyway. I, I wonder if it's, like, more of just, like, a Texas game, because if he did start coyoting again, they might kill him. Could be, yeah. So it it's, seems it's, like everybody knows everybody down there. Right? I mean, it's a small it's a small place, so. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I definitely would agree. Um, I love the setting of this world. I also love the opening of this actual um, movie and the, just what was sort of established because you get very, very quickly introduced to Matt's character, who's, you know, Josh Brolin's character, and you're introduced to him, and then you see, you know, what are they trying to do? So this is the actual objective. And this movie starts off a bit of... A little conf confusing. We'll talk a little bit about plot a little bit later. But it starts off, I'm like... But these people are in Mexico. But they're praying, so they're not Mexican. But they're also bombing themselves. And then they're bombing different stores and stuff. So I'm like, what's going on? Like, I was super confused. And how it, like, went all the way through. I thought was pretty cool. Um, I like seeing some more characters. But I think one of my favorite, favorite parts of this movie was keeping a small cast. You only yeah. have maybe six or seven people. And so one of the things I really enjoyed was, you know, we could have a chance to kind of learn just a little bit more about these characters. You can see some of the things that are like, would potentially kind of turn them against each other. I like the fact in this movie there was like no heroes, right? Like this is more of like a realistic sort of like flushed out thing. Not saying Sicario number one did, but like sometimes in these sort of crime games and things like that, it's not realistic. And there's people who would like step out and like never get shot or never get hurt or something like that and this movie does not do that at all i, I like how they end up he's basically kind of doing that as the acting as the character so definitely kudos to the actors and the director um i think the one yeah, thing I think, oh, yeah. I think that's a good point you bring up uh, having no heroes is that um i mean we're dealing with the mexican-american border and i'm not gonna 
dive into politics or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but it, it is a murky, complex, messy world in that area of what has to be dealt with. So whether it's um, what politicians think is the right thing for uh, to protect against cartels or human trafficking uh, versus uh, just people from Mexico that are not in a good place that are trying to get a better life. Uh, that uh, they're trying to go through illegally because they don't have the means to go through legally mm. uh, and having to go through this way, I mean, this desert and uh, this horrible terrain to try to get to a better life and all the things they have to deal with. But at the same time, how do we protect the United States at the same time that all of these people here are just trying to get away from horrors at their own country as well yeah. and that it becomes a thing where it's not a black and white issue it's got many different facets of like uh craziness a lot of pain a lot of terror a lot of suffering that there's all sorts of factors that play into this whether it's political choices or keeping it hush hush versus keeping it on the books uh versus um is military force the right answer is um, is more of just stopping and processing and then letting go the right answer. We don't know. I mean, that's the thing, is that it's a very complex situation that has to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just love, I love how it asks a couple of those questions without making a movie about it, and I think that's a way to be uh, like we're a movie, you know, if I were to make a movie about something, right, that's not going to be the main thing that we're doing, right? This movie had to talk about a bit, it was actually an odd heist, right? Uh, it's yeah. kind of a heist sort of movie, but you then find out that, oh man, instead of stealing a bunch of rocks, we find out we're stealing diamonds, and then we find, like, we unearth this crazy sort of movie sort of plot that happens from there. And so I think that was pretty, that was super cool. Um, I just enjoyed a lot of this movie. Uh, now, granted, side note, there were some assholes in my movie that was kept laughing and like joking around each other that really kind of messed up the vibe. Um, yeah. And so I was kind of bummed because the same thing happened in my friend's movie in Florida, so I'm not sure why people think that's funny to joke around in this movie. Don't do that. Come on. Don't be an asshole. Um, but, you know, the one, the one else, the other couple things I would say is there was a the scene in which um, Alejandro and Isabella... Um, they basically get away from like one of the first firefights and then they find uh they need shelter and he finds the the gentleman who's mute who's deaf yeah. and his entire family and so just from that sequence alone there was literally no words spoken it's all in sign language you learn a, so much information about alejandro's character who is the sicario who from the first movie is the epitome of gray line arguably yeah. on like the bad side right and in this moment you then know that okay well he had a daughter it was past it's it's such a beautiful sequence i i think that bite there was like one of my favorite moments of this movie because all he was doing was just kind of signing it the gentleman real like recognized that that was the daughter of um uh, the Reyes. 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 So he did, he knew that was the daughter of the Reyes. He knew that there was something happening for from there was something else bigger than this. But at the same time, he appreciated him, Alejandro, because he knew how to sign, and he appreciated just kind of the simplest of things. Of he, I need help. We need help. He's clearly not trying to hurt this girl. He's trying to actually help her out, and it's 
it literally and at that moment in his house it goes through this huge the, the movie just changes entirely for Alejandro as a character and I that's when I was like on board I was super excited and at that moment that's when it kind of turned a bit and I'll, I'll pick this up when we talk about the plot but that was by far one of my favorite scenes I, I haven't seen in a long time I thought it was gorgeous and amazing and it was very natural and again you know max what four or five people and there was a baby and the baby wasn't deaf and I think he, he also made the connection with him of the fact that, you know, you live in two worlds. I think he said something along the lines of like, yeah, living in two worlds. it's like cool. a different world type of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought, thought that was an interesting, like, saying, like, we're accepting, like, we're trying to raise this kid that communicates totally differently than us. And how are we going to actually teach them? Uh, when we can't communicate the same way, so yeah. I, I, I mean, it's flipping the coin and where and giving you perspective, like, oh, I never saw it that way before. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but that actor that plays uh, the deaf farmhand, uh, Bruno Bashir, he plays Angel. Uh, he did a fantastic job with that role. Yeah, it's a small bit, but he makes every moment count on that. Yeah. Um, I'll also say like one character that we never see at all that. I thought it was interestingly handled really well was uh, Reyes as the uh, kingpin of the cartel. We never see this guy. Uh, we He is a ghost. He is a myth. Um, but you see his actions. And I think that's a really good way of handling um, a if you want to actually uh, have someone that is villainous, that is the bad guy, uh, a king, uh, the head of a drug cartel that is super powerful, that the most powerful man you will never see on the screen yeah. because he is that powerful and he can make he can infiltrate anything and we see like he literally infiltrates <laughs> um, everything the, everything in this movie so and good. it's crazy that you're like wow um, I could I did not see that coming at all and that's all because of him and so I, even though there's no actor that plays him, I mean, it would have been corny if it was like a uh, big shot uh, cartel kingpin that's wearing gold chains and stuff. That would have come off very cartoony. It's great that they kept uh, a faceless man. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. There's even a scene in which <clears throat> after they actually successfully kidnap Isabella from school, they actually don't kill anybody. Uh, and they tie up the two guards. That's they, they purposely like tie up the guards and tell them that you know tell us who we, like let them know that this is. Uh, they basically try to put the guards on a, a different scent. It was like hey, this is from the other mob, right? They're trying to create like a mob war in Mexico. And I also appreciated this scene too because I thought I've missed something. But then the next time we go to that same locale, you see body bags of people and everything that's happening and. The other guy, there's another guy who wasn't in the actual in the operation. He he goes, there's a line that says, you know, oh man, it looks like he did a number on them or something. He's like, oh, we didn't do that. There's a couple people that died from the accident, but we actually didn't kill anybody. And then you go in and have him arrive, and you see that the police officer that pulls up was the one that kills the same guys that were. It's such a crazy. It was so, such crazy, so complex, and it was one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed that. They didn't need to hold our hand in that sequence. It was kind of sort of like, yeah, he already knew what was going to happen. Like, it was interesting to know that he has already infiltrated, successfully infiltrated everything. And, uh, and he has in um, Reyes. So I thought that was just kind of crazy. And especially the Mexican police that was supposed to be helping them out. And, like, everything he was kind of infiltrated. I was like, you can't trust anybody at any point. And holy shit, that was crazy. 
Um, so yeah. I definitely kind of agree to that. I mean, the last thing I'll talk about a bit about the characters is just kind of one thing before we go into plot is I was kind of feeling like this the title of this movie needed to change. Um, Day of the Soldado, uh, Day of the Soldier. I thought it was like, an interesting title for what we got. I, I don't know if it was um, as effective as it should. And again, we talked a bit about like Miguel, and if he's talking about potentially either Miguel or Holly Andra being the soldier, or Matt being the soldier, right? I'm not entirely sure who that was going to be focused on, but I think it needed to be titled a different movie. I think it's a bit misleading. Um, yeah. Because a lot of these people in this movie, they are used to be quote-unquote soldiers, but they're not soldiers. They're kind of sort of mercenaries, but not really, right? They're trying, like, technically, I guess they are soldiers, but I, I just wouldn't, like, wrap it up into that. Um, I just think it's kind of odd, you know? Uh, and that's just, for, for me, for the title, once I looked it up, and I'm like, well, that's not, I didn't think that was sort of about, but, you know, what do you think about the title? Um, I thought it was a weird choice because they did have it um, just as Sicario to Soldado when it was first being uh, promoted. Weird. And then they changed it to Sicario Day of the Soldado. And I just thought it was um, just like too verbose of a title, I would say, for yeah. this type of movie. This movie uh, thematically is stark and it's very uh, nuanced and paced very slowly. And I don't think you need a very long title for this. I mean, I would even liked it if they just called it Sicario 2 or just call it Sicario again. And because it, it appears that they're making a trilogy out of this. That mm. This is like a continuous story that they want to follow. Yeah, I like that, just dropping it and just saying Sicario. Or, you know, 2, you know. Or, I, I mean, it would have been bold for them just to just literally name it Sicario. <laughs> And that's it. Yeah. And there's a 2015, cool. 2015 Sicario, 2018 Sicario, and that's all that you need. Because there's a lot to unpack with that name. And, and I think that's all that you necessarily need. So I'm, I'm curious to see what their title is going to be for the next film. But talking about the plot, I know we already kind of unpacked a couple of these things from the uh, characters. But, you know, what else did you want to bring up? Uh, yeah, so when it comes to the plot, um, there. They, I mean, they, this movie is all about, like, the subtle quiet that leads up to the intense moment uh first time we see that is in kansas city with the um with the bombing of the grocery store and you get this scene where a mom is, has her little girl and she's trying to slowly make her way to the entrance and the last bomber is right there and she's just saying don't do it let us leave please and then he hits the trigger and it's just like just right in your face brutality that it's like it doesn't matter who you are or what you say they have an agenda and they're trying to make a to send a message out of it. Um, to uh, and when uh, they bring in Graver, I mean, we see that. I mean, he is CIA. He's clandestine. He is the guy that'll do the dirty things to get um, to hopefully get the right results. And um, and so we see him like we start off in Somalia with him, and uh, he's uh, interrogating uh, this. Um, this uh, Somali uh, warlord that you're like, who? How is he connected to any of this? And um, and so he, they talk about like how he his family is like they do they rob uh, oil tankers and stuff and it's like, oh, what was that oil tanker for? Oh, that's how they get the terrorist over to uh, Mexico because they can't fly into the U.S. because of fake passport. It would just be uh, our security is so tight now that. 
I mean, they'll flag it automatically. So make your way through the Mexican border with thousands upon thousands of illegal immigrants. You'll blend in and easily get through the border and stuff. Um, and we see even there, there's some intensity that um, he shows him a picture of his house with his brother walking by the pool and Ooh. stuff. And if he's not getting the answers he wants, he just calls someone on the satellite phone and that's it. The house is gone. And you don't hear the explosion or anything. You see it on a black screen. And, and it's uh, and then you see the emotion come off the Somali warlord's face. Um, but Graver, I mean, he runs into some interesting situations. I think the whole plan to get Isabel, I mean, he definitely is a super professional. He knows who to work with, what to bring, what resources to get. And so he knows how to keep it hush-hush and everything. But as good as a plan as you can, you have, and their plan was awesome. Just seeing the plan um, go into action, like just how they stopped the motorcade for Isabel going from school to grabbing her, taking her back to Texas, um, making sure she has no sensory perception of what's going on, mm-hmm. putting her in a safe house, and then dressing up as DEA agents about to bust in to save her. Um, it's all really executed really well. Uh, but there's always X factors and that big X factor is Reyes himself. Mm-hmm. And so just as you see the motor the security motorcade that when they're taking Isabel about back to um, back to Mexico because it's like, hey, the DA agent saved her. Uh, we're going to take you back to your dad. But Isabel's smart, she starts to put things together. She's like uh, usual DEA would not have like these Humvees or high-level military equipment and stuff like that. And so she's like, y'all, y'all aren't cops. <laughs> y'all are soldiers. And um, and then their motorcade of Mexican federales that is like supposed to be proper channels. They're like going through the Mexican government to get her back and everything. All of a sudden, that one of them turns around, and starts shooting at their trucks, and you're like, oh crap, what just happened? And what makes that even crazier that um, Graver's team, I mean, wins that firefight. Um, they also have Alejandro with him, who's great in a firefight, too, because uh, he's just an intense uh, killer. Uh, and then um, after that, it gets even more intense because more Mexican federalists who may or may not be legit because you just were in a firefight where the people dressed as federalists turned on you and started trying to kill you. And then you have this standoff. They're like, we don't know if we can trust you. And this could have been something where, yeah, the fed- these federalities were just as corrupt or infiltrated by the cartels, or they could have been normal federalities and nerves got to them and someone accidentally pulled the trigger. And then so they got killed. And so you got bodies that are publicly being spoken about in Mexican TV that leads up to the... U.S. politicians that like, hey, your mission just shit the bed, mm-hmm. and you just barreled out of there <laughs> half-assed, going through the border with these trucks that have had bullet holes all through them and blood all over them. Um, a lot of people just saw that shit, and for a clandestine operation, that's how it can go south and how quickly it can go south as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that puts Graver in a tough spot of like. He may have to burn uh, Alejandro because of that. And he leaves Alejandro behind to grab Isabel. Um, it, uh, it's it's very tough situation that Graver gets put in. This is the first time we see him where 
Uh, if we see the original Sicario, he was all about the mission. And no matter what happened, it was the mission that actually went through. Like, there's one intense moment where they actually make sure that Emily Blunt is uh, almost taken out by the cartels um, when she goes to a bar and meets up with a guy. Uh, that they wait till the last second to save her because she was her, that she was bait for them, uh, and they used her lot that way because that was going to get them the connections they needed to get closer to the cartels. Uh, in this, it's like Graver has to look at his most valuable asset, Alejandro, uh, that has gotten a lot of work done for him, that has his own revenge mission that leads him to be such a good killer that he may have to kill Alejandro and have Alejandro kill Isabel. And then that's where it starts to change. So mm-hmm. after Alejandro and Isabel meet the farmers and everything, and I don't think it's like a change of heart for Alejandro. I think this is definitely apt for who he is as a character. It's like, I cannot kill this girl. I mean, I want to get her safe and protected. And he decides the best what best thing to do for her is not send her back to her dad. Uh, it's not that her dad would kill her. So her dad would probably start to pick off everybody else that was in that mission that kidnapped her. Yeah. Um, that he needs to take her to the border, get her to her mom, who's happens to live in the U.S., or get her into some type of protection program that uh, hopefully Reyes cannot infiltrate or anything, which would be a tough thing to do. Um, so it definitely becomes a very sticky situation. We see... For the first time, Graver making a call um, based on conscience. That it's not about the mission. He's like, you know what? I just saw Alejandro get killed, supposedly. Uh, so we're going to take this girl. We're going to put her in witness protection. Yeah. And we're going to put every gun around her. And if her dad comes looking for her, then so be it. We're ready to fight. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely will pisses off the politicians so you have Catherine Keener you have Matthew Modine as a secretary of defense that uh, he chose Graver to carry out this mission because he has a great track record but this messed up and it's like okay we're doing things that we do in Afghanistan and Somalia right next to the US border and that leads to a sticky situation yeah politicians are not going to like anything about this yeah that's such a and great recap though oh man it's so good <laughs> no and yeah and so it it is it is a it ends very messy and everything and um as far as graver's character he's in a place where he's pissed off uh he did what he feels like is the right thing he knows it's going to be tough to protect her even from the u.s government uh, and so he knows that he's now has his back against the wall and all guns, all targets are pointed to him now, which is probably a situation that he hasn't been in a long time. So it makes, it definitely sets up for an interesting continuation of the movie if they make a next film. Um, yeah, I'm definitely sure they will. And I mean, that's that's some great, like some absolute strong sort of call outs as you're actually kind of making just about everything in the movie itself. and. Um, looking at a couple of the notes that we currently have here, there was just so much, like you wrapped it up, but it's just so well done. The how that you could actually get so much information from a story from a movie, but there's not like a lot of dialogue, and there's a lot. It's a lot of situational things that's actually happening, and you see, you can actually see, you can feel Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro make those these tough, very very difficult decisions, and. Um, 
you know, we even see the fact that, you know, Benicio del Toro gets caught because Miguel, like, recognized him. And he recognized that he, you know, potentially was a Sicario. He, he was, like, he. it looks like he was a part of the American police, basically. Um, and so you see that he got recognized. And so Alejandro got, gets captured. And um, and you can actually, you, at that moment, we can see to the point where we see uh, Alejandro get shot in the head. And starts bleeding out and looks like he's like he's he's dead and he, the person who had to shoot him was Miguel, which I thought was a crazy scene. I I did not expect that to happen at all, and to the fact that you have uh, Matt looking on above, and they can actually see the scenario and they're actually heading there trying to. I don't know if they were trying to save him. I think they were. He Matt was definitely trying to save him, but I don't think that was possible, right? So I thought that, like, just how they set that up as a, as a plot was a, that was the tough moment that I hadn't mentioned before. Like, that was a, a hard moment just to see, because I didn't expect that to happen, and I was, like, I still was, like, no way he's dead, right? There's no way he's dead, right? Yeah, uh, and, like, we even have Graver's assistant go, like, well, I'm glad we didn't have to do that. Yeah, right? So it's like, yeah, we know he has to die, but at least it wasn't by our trigger. Yeah, which is gonna, I think it's only gonna like make it more and more interesting because surprise, we find that he's actually not dead and he does come back and not even come back, but even his sequence of like, as he's coming up and uh, driving away, you can see that he got because he basically got shot in the cheek that went through and his cheek is like swollen and he's like starts driving. It's just like a crazy, crazy sequence. I thought it was like amazing. Basically kind of drives away from that like, in the hot, the heat of the desert, it was just crazy. Um, so I really, really kind of enjoyed that. But I would say, you know, I definitely kind of agree with what you were kind of talking about, though, uh, and kind of going talking about Miguel and talking about Alejandro is it, it really did shift to be a lot about Miguel. And yeah. so, you know, in that third act, and really when like things were the highest at the point. Isabella was just basically captured and she couldn't really do anything, but it did have a shift of focus. And so it's like basically Matt versus Alejandro and then Miguel's character and what he's going to do. It, it felt pretty weak because we needed more, we, we needed more stuff for Miguel that we just didn't get. Yeah. And like, I think there's one good scene with Miguel uh, and that's when he's like first out with his cousin and he takes him to like sit on a perch next to the border, and they're looking across at the coyotes. And like his cousin is like saying, "Hey, let me, let me date your your uh, cousin or something like that." And it's like telling you, "No, screw you" and stuff. And I think that was really cool that uh, to see uh, like just seeing someone that's already been brought into that gangster world, um, kind of just manipulate him into saying like hey you can make some good money right now and uh here's some money right now because i don't need it i got plenty of money uh take this money enjoy yourself but maybe tomorrow maybe here and we'll do a little job and you can make a little bit more money and you see like the when it comes to these coyotes so there are they are portrayed as gangsters. They're portrayed as not necessarily part of the cartel, but their own little small operation that um, plays by their own rules. And they're charging people thousands of dollars to get across the border. And so, I mean, these families already don't have that much uh, to, at all to get through. But 
um, this they're what they're guaranteeing is protection and survivability across the desert hmm. and across the river um, and so a lot of families go towards that and they give up all their prized possessions to make it happen um, and you see uh, Miguel get kind of caught up in this and you see all the people that are involved with this so um, you see um, you see I think his name was Hector is like the head of them uh, and uh, he says I mean he's talking to him and everything and he's like hey you're a nice kid you look nice you can definitely get this done all you have to do is just make sure they all stay together and everything then he tells them like the last person that didn't do their job right I fed to my dog or some some craziness like that koi fish koi oh, fish that's yeah. right <laughs> Uh, and uh, and so the the weird thing though is like the character the actor playing Miguel I mean he has zero emotion about that he doesn't show like a fear of like oh I could better do a good job or um, any type of remorse or anything like that because this is like literally his first time he's been a high school kid going to school playing with his family and his friends and everything um, and so you don't really get that he's a rookie at this or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then you see like after he's uh, shepherded like people over the river and everything, like the person that picks him up to take him home to pay him is like this blonde haired, blue eyed suburbanite mom. Crazy. What a reveal <laughs> that they didn't even need to like, I mean, they didn't it, even yeah, say anything it about even it. It's like, Oh, but it's so good. I'm glad they put those details in the movie. That just, that was like that right there. I was like, Holy shit. That's, that's crazy. The baby in the freaking back seat? Come on, man. That's nuts. Yeah, and like she tells him, like, hey, find me a job that pays more than this, and I'll, um, and I'll do it. Right. Hey, but as, until there's something else better paying, this is what I'm doing. Such a crazy. Um, I just looked up. Yeah, I just so, looked up um, Elijah Rodriguez, by the way, who plays Miguel, and he's actually only been known for two other movies, so he actually is a bit of a rookie, which is kind of funny you said that. Um, yeah. And it's also kind of interesting because it. He looked familiar. I was like, man, he kind of reminds me of um, the kid from Coco. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it's him. And it's not. But I was like, oh, no, but he plays the kid from Book of Life. (laughs) That is like literally almost Coco, just way back. But that was from 2014. So I was like, that's hilarious. I did not realize that. Um, So it's interesting. But like realistically, he's only been in one other thing besides this. And he's coming up with something We Die Young, which I don't know if it's out yet. Um, But We Die Young is uh, something this year. And it probably is not going to hit theaters because it looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme's in it. But, (laughs) but, you know, that's another thing. So realistically, he's only been in two other things. one other thing before this year so it de- like I, 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 sadly enough I think his inexperience of an actor but I think it's more along the lines of the writing that was given to him and the director yeah because they definitely put uh, Miguel into uh, situations that really don't make sense and this is where the movie kind of loses its steam is in the third act that it starts to focus more on Miguel whereas you mentioned when he shoots Alejandro um you don't see if he's doing it out of survival or if it's something that he actually likes. He goes, he definitely very nonchalantly just pulls the trigger, points at his face, pulls the trigger, and they leave him there. And they don't even check to see if it's a headshot or anything. They really don't have to. They're in the middle of the desert that's very harsh and ruthless, and he's tied up and bound and has a 
has a mask over his face. How is he ever going to get out of that situation? Which tells you a lot about Alejandro's yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. Um, that so, he doesn't give up. He's definitely a very resourceful guy. Such a brutal um, scene. But uh, it, it becomes a weird situation that after that, the only thing you see of Miguel, um, they're all in this truck, him and the other coyotes, the crew that he's running with. Then all of a sudden, he just decides to jump off the truck and go off on his own. And um, they start yelling at him and everything. That's all you get for Miguel. And then it cuts to one year later, and he has all these tattoos. He's dressing uh, more like a gang member and a gangbanger. Uh, and he goes to like his drop-off spot to be, like collect money. Uh, maybe he's coyoting, maybe he's doing drug deals, who knows. Um, but when he walks there, he sees Alejandro. And Alejandro tells him to sit down. And he closes the door and says, so you want to be a Sicario? What led to that? <laughs> That's the biggest problem I have with this movie is we know why Alejandro's a Sicario. He, um, we learn in the first Sicario that there is a drug cartel family that killed his, his wife and his child. And that's the reason why he went and got revenge. And he worked with Graver specifically to get re revenge on that cartel that actually took out his family. The last film ends with this horrific scene of Alejandro sitting at the dinner table with the head of the cartel, his wife, his two kids. And they're having this conversation about like what life means and uh, what is revenge and what it will happen if he actually takes him out. And then while he's doing that and having that conversation, this cartel is trying to sweet talk his way out of it. Uh, uh, Alejandro goes ahead and kills his two kids. Then he kills his wife. And he leaves him there and then he kills him. So he makes him actually watch his family die before he takes him out. And you thought uh, Alejandro got his revenge. But now we still hear from Graver that he's seeking revenge about his family. And it's Reyes, it's Reyes that was actually behind it. It's like, wait a minute. Wasn't the Alcaron cartel the ones that took out his family? Yeah. It's not, so it's not unless it's clear. like a very convenient, like there's always a bigger fish uh, situation, it just made it kind of confusing about um, why is Alejandro continuing to be Sicario? Yeah. It would have been cool just to see that if he would have got his revenge and like... I got my revenge on the person, but I didn't get my revenge on the concept or the belief of it, you know, of just drug cartel or cartel or like Mexican gangs anyway. Uh, I think that would have been also helpful to know because then he wouldn't have been all hellbent on revenge. And so already his motivation going into this scenario is a little gray, right? He's not fully invested into it. And so when shit hits the fan and because he's not fully invested, that would have had a bit more motivation on why he wants to save Isabella. Uh, I could have uh, understood that, you know, it, it, it's just not very clear. And there's just too many things that jump from point A to point C really quickly in that one sequence and I was bummed because you know a huge win that I have for this movie is taking its time but then it was like okay this new movie needs to end and I'm like oh wait hold up oh shit and so you kind of miss that and it's kind of odd because we get a lot of sequences with you know Matt and the Secretary of Defense and we see all them kind of working through some shit and I'm like okay cool we knew that they were going to do that, though. I don't think we needed to have additional scenes of that, right? We need more of the stuff that's happening in Mexico that needs to be, a, like, 
uh, a shared balance between those two. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, it, it definitely goes off of a lot of the issues we have with the movie really stems from Miguel because the movie does take a turn and then focuses on it. Uh, or, you know, they do the uh, classic sequel trope of we're setting a lot of stuff up for the next movie sort of thing yeah. without explaining it. It's w without explaining things uh, as clear as they should to make this movie as great as possible, right? They says we're going to make a good movie or we're going to make a great movie. But then it's just going to end kind of okay because we want to save that stuff for the next movie that's going to be even better. And so you have that weird of a lull that's here that's like, that's a bit of a bummer. I think you could have just made it great or just you know ended it either quicker or like took a little bit more time to flush out the ideals that you're trying to do with Miguel. And I think it would have been interesting. It would have been very, very, very bold to kill off Benicio Del Toro. I think that should have worked, that should have happened, and that would have been a bit of a succession of Miguel is then going to be the next Sicario from him or something like that if they had a previous relation. I don't know. There's a lot of things you could have done. We're, we're no movie writers, but I just think that's going to be a big thing. That's why it probably suffered. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, lasting thoughts. You know, we're looking to do, uh, would you recommend this movie? You know, what would you say to people to go watch this movie from before if they haven't seen it already? Or what's something that you would say that kind of leading to the potential next movie? Or what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I definitely think that this movie, I mean, it suffers from like that second movie syndrome, especially that they decide to make a trilogy out of this. It feels like um, you open up the middle of a book and just started reading at times and um but it is a solid follow-up to one of the greatest movies ever made and so it definitely is i'm definitely going to be interested to continue to see where these characters go i can't wait to see what happens with alejandro engraver i hope isabel's back in the third movie and yeah bring back miguel let's see if we can do something with miguel because you've set up a journey for him and i want to definitely see what happens on that journey for him what makes a sicario a sicario i think would be the most interesting thing to wrap up this trilogy um but uh this movie definitely needs about another half hour to flush out miguel's character and earn that final scene where he meets back up with alejandro yeah, I agree, and I'm looking up, though, I'm curious to see, you know, the actual runtime of the movie for right now, so the runtime is two hours and two minutes, and so I do not think this movie can be two and a half hours. No way. And so, there has to be some time that needs to be cut out to, to replace the Miguel stuff, right? Or just replace the Miguel scenes with more stuff, have him talking more, because I'm pretty sure he probably said less than 30 words in this entire movie. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure he did not talk a lot at all. So it's tough to, um, he didn't do anything, right? At least kind of starting off, we get why Isabella thinks she's a badass because she's already in a fight and then she starts understanding that stuff. So we get more from her character just by the actions that she's done, whereas we don't see Miguel do anything. Uh, but I like this movie. You know, I definitely enjoy it. I think this is a great movie. Uh, it started off great and then it just ended to good, you know, okay, and a bit bordering okay. Um... I definitely yeah, think you should watch uh, it. The first Sicario is two hours, one minute. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought that was a three-hour epic film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool, because this is two two hours and two. So is the next one going to be two hours and three minutes? That extra minute, bro. Extra minute goes a long way. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely like the film, though. I definitely would recommend it. I want people to go watch it. Uh, the one thing, if you haven't seen it already, but you're still listening, is this movie is pretty brutal. Um 
it asks a lot of different questions, especially I think it was pretty bold and ballsy to start off talking about uh, Mexican America and people like jumping the border and all the sorts of shit that we have with our political sort of schemes right now. Um, I think it was bold to kind of put it in the movie, but not actually address it because they know that it's a problem, but they're not going to make that movie about that, which is bold. I, I would like somebody to absolutely address it. They even refer to it, the president of the United States or the POTUS. The, um, they address that person, but they don't they don't actually like say who it is. And I think even yeah. Graver, like I think he makes a comment about him. So I think that is actually kind of pretty, pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where the secretary of defense says like, since you did this mess, um, POTUS is just closing shop on you because he doesn't want to be impeached. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> Ooh, I think, you know, it's there. So I think like definitely good on you for at least, um, putting that on there, but you know, fuck it. Let's, let's, if you're going to go that far, keep going. You've already showed me people getting their face kind of blown off in this movie, but you don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. Let's do it all. Like, why not? Um, so I like the movie. Definitely check it out. It is a brutal, definitely not a family film, but it's definitely a brutal film, um, to watch since he has some uncomfortable sort of silences and some uncomfortableness, but I think that's what makes the movie effective. And with that, we have been the Down to Front Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Go enjoy some summertime. Go lay out and take a tan, drink a couple of lemonades or some shandies. Brylan, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me not running clandestine operations on Twitter because that's a very public space at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at I am Brylan, where I'll post uh, my many movie reviews. Uh, and also I'm the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash down and from podcast. Uh, it will be coming back very soon. I'm just going to take a quick vacation before it happens. Nice. You can find out more of our work on downerfrontpockets.com. We're going to be just about everywhere. So find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Reddit. Um, we have an email. So at the crew at downerfrontpockets.com if you want to have any, know any sort of information of what we're doing. If you like what we're doing, you definitely want to support us. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash downerfrontpodcast. Uh, and just for $1, you can definitely join our Discord channel. You get the episodes early, and we're working on even more bonus material. <laughs> Uh, Bluett has a lot of stuff that he has cut out of all of our uh, episodes, so we are definitely trying to find the best way to kind of push that out, and that will be for um, our patrons, so um, thanks for that. Uh, and uh, check out, I would say just go and watch the movies. I think this is some good movie time, minus Jurassic World. Uh, this is some, some good movie time that's happening. There's some good movies that's out there, um, and go to the movies more. Yes. Support your local movie theater. Exactly, right? And we shall say so long, farewell. Uh, have some tea and be free. Ooh, I did a ride there. <laughs> nice. All right, see you later. All right, get back. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?